WBNE. Hello, and welcome to episode 89, all about The Hobbit, chapter three, A Short Rest, being the 89th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined once again by Beth Rekels. She is the author of The Kissing Booth, as well as many other projects, I believe, by now. And then also just an all-around wonderful friend to the WBE network. Welcome back, Beth. Thanks, MC. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me back again. You're such a wonderful person, and I'm just so glad to have you here. Well, uh, in real time as we're recording, I'm dealing with a bunch of terrible people on the internet, Ugh. so I'm just delighted to talk to Beth today. If only if only those trolls could be dealt with as easily as the ones in the chapter that you would have just talked about. That's true. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I do wish, I do wish that... um. That they had uh, just turned to stone when the sun rose. <laughs> that would be, that would be awfully convenient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be extremely appropriate for now. But um, so Beth, tell me about how you got into like what was your experience with getting into the Hobbit for for the first time? However long ago that was, or if it was more recently, maybe. So I'm trying to think what year because I know I got the book when the first film had come out because. I asked my parents for it for like Christmas or a birthday and I specifically said I don't want the movie cover of the book and which is a problem I know you had when you were trying to get a copy right, of it. Right yeah I remember we yeah you told me this on Twitter and yeah. of course the only version that they could get was the one with like Martin Freeman on the front which like is fine but I was gonna know, say there are worse the people to on have. The yeah yeah but I get <laughs> um, it. I think that must have been like 10 years ago now or something and I remember so my, my introduction to the Lord of the Rings universe was watching the movies um, first. And then the first book that I read was The Hobbit. And I read it on a plane to Florida. And I just devoured the whole thing in like eight or nine hours or whatever it was. I really enjoyed The Hobbit, whereas <laughs> The Fellowship took me several weeks to try and get through. Oh, it's a slog for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you were talking about the the movie cover of the book and like all the aesthetics of that. Um, listeners will know from the episode I did. It's see, like as I'm recording, it just came out like this week or last week. But by the time you're listening to this, it'll have been several weeks ago. I had like a whole <laughs> fiasco trying to find a very specific version of The Hobbit. And I was calling people, I was calling like local bookstores and was like, do you have this version? And they're like, no, crazy person, we don't. <laughs> um, we're like, I wanted something to match my versions of Lord of the Rings, but I didn't want it to have any reference to the movie. So I totally get that, that like you don't, yeah. it's, it's all about the bookshelf aesthetic. Yeah, like the number of messages and comment, uh, emails that I get from people saying, where can I get an original cut? a copy of the kissing booth and i'm like we well, you can't like I'm, i don't know i don't know what to tell you like you just can't but i'm always like really sympathetic because i think i know this problem i have it as a reader and you just you just want your bookshelf to look so nice mm -hmm. yeah even though it makes no difference to the reading experience I know, it just, right it, right it, 
you just can't help it. <laughs> like, that's why I was, like, struggling with, because I did get, I ordered a copy of The Hobbit that I thought didn't say now a major motion picture and then it arrived and it did say it and I was like losing my mind and then I was I was like trying to convince myself I was like this does not matter you know this one line of text on the front cover isn't going to change anything about the story and also like it's not like you're going to have my it's not like I'm going to have my books front facing on my bookshelf I'll just be able to see the spine so it's but not like know. it'll, yeah, but I'll know. And so I was trying to convince myself that it was okay. And, and no, I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. <laughs> um, but I did get my copy of The Hobbit that doesn't say now a major motion yeah. picture. And Success. I'm enjoying reading it so far. It's so much easier than Lord of the Rings. So much easier. <laughs> um, so let's jump into the chapter. This is chapter three, A Short Rest, and this is also a very short chapter. It's like nine or ten pages, maybe, and one of those pages in my copy is an illustration, so... (laughs) Oh, I didn't get an illustration in mine. I feel cheated. Yeah, it's really interesting because I wonder if... It probably says on here somewhere, like, who did the illustrations. That's really weird, though, because I did have an illustration for the trolls in the last chapter. Okay, so this particular illustration it's of Rivendell and it is a reproduction of J.R.R. Tolkien's color plate by Nicolette Caven or Cavan and it they had to have referenced it when they were doing the movies like the creators because it looks exactly like Rivendell when they do that <laughs> that long shot yeah um, when the fellowship is like entering Rivendell or they're, or they're leaving or something it looks like let me see if I can like show you um Oh my god, I'm so gutted that I didn't have this image in my book. Yeah, so like it looks, they had to have referenced this because it looks exactly like it in the movie. Um, Yeah. But anyway, that's a spoiler alert for what happens (laughs) in this chapter. We start off there, our our gang is um, leaving and and continuing on the journey after the harrowing events of the trolls (laughs) who were not leaving comments on TikToks. They were just regular trolls. And you can, you know, this is serious. You know, they're very serious about all this and they're not in good spirits because there's no singing or telling stories. (laughs) There's no singing happening. No, well, not yet. (laughs) And it says they had begun to feel that danger was not far away on either side. So they're kind of um, in the previous chapter and... Was it the previous? Cha- yeah, in the previous chapter, when they had like just started this journey, Bilbo, like right at the start, is like, "This is really fun adventuring," and then like has a lot of moments so far where he's like, "Maybe this isn't as fun as I thought it was gonna be." And so like that's yeah, kind of like it, it starts raining. I think in the last chapter, mm-hmm. he's like. Mm. I miss my chair or my kettle. Yeah, he's like, I miss. Yeah, and he has that thought too now where he he's thinking once again of his comfortable chair before the fire in his favorite sitting room in his hobbit hole and of the kettle singing. So yeah, he's like realizing that, oh, this is getting kind of serious. There's some dangerous situations happening. Maybe adventures aren't all uh, they're cracked up to be. Yeah, there's the line just before that bit as well where he says, just at that moment he felt more tired oh. than he ever remembered feeling before. And I just thought that whole paragraph is 
such a mood for the last year. <sighs> so relatable, so relatable. I really felt for Bilbo. <laughs> yeah. So that all um, that response he has is in response to um, they they see some mountains and Bilbo's like, oh, are those the mountains we're going to? And Gandalf is like, no, that's literally just the beginning. We have so much farther to go. <laughs> and Bilbo's oh, like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> this is I'm very tired all of a sudden and I get that word like you're um I don't know as soon as soon as you realize like how much farther you have to go for something you just immediately become way more tired it has nothing to do it's it's like a very mental thing it feels like that sort of procrastinative vibe of like when you have a like a project or just something that needs doing like even if it's just the laundry and you think oh yeah I could do that. And then you look at it and go, nope. No. Mm-mm. Oh. I'm just going to sit down. <laughs> now that you say that, I just remembered that I put clothes in the washer last night. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I had not put them in the dryer. <gasps> I am okay, really well, sorry to have reminded you at that. I'm going to have to remember to do that <laughs> when we finish this call. Whoops, that's my bad. <laughs> um, sorry, roommates. Uh, I'm hogging the laundry right now. So yeah, Bilbo's very tired. I relate to that so much. And then Gandalf gets like very ominous and like dark. And he's yeah. like, we need food and rest and... Um, we have to go this certain, or actually, no, he doesn't even say we. This is this is very, as the kids would say these days, it's very sus to me, <laughs> suspicious, because um, he says um, it is very necessary to it is very necessary to tackle the misty mountains by the proper path, or else you will get lost in them and have to come back and start at the beginning again, if you ever get back at all. I, I absolutely love that kind of the parentheses right at the end because that's happened a couple of times in the first few chapters where they're like, oh yeah, we'll do that when we come back, if anyone comes back at all. Yeah. And you just think, it's a little bit ominous for like a kid's book, but they all say it like... Very they, casually. They kind of move on very quickly. Yeah. yeah very casually. So you don't get this kind of foreboding and sense of like doom and gloom that you might have in, I guess, Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. If someone had said that. Yeah, they never really linger on it. Um, and then I'm also like, Gandalf, why did you start saying you instead of like <laughs> we or us? And so I'm just getting it because in the previous chapter, he just disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, was he was he just like walking with us? Was he actually accompanying us? Somewhere? Yeah, they didn't. Mm. I'm like already. Lo- I love I love Gandalf because in the in in Lord of the Rings, we get Gandalf the Grey very briefly. And then he's Gandalf the White. Um, and even when he is Gandalf the Grey, he's very serious because it's a very serious mission that they're on. So I'm loving this like chaotic <laughs> Gandalf the Grey. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> he's so funny. Yeah, so I'm half expecting that in the next chapter they're they're gonna be like, wait, where did Gandalf go? <laughs> Why did is he not with us anymore? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so he says that up ahead is Rivendell, and we will be staying and resting with Elrond, who lives Ooh. in the last homely house. Oh, and he also mentions that Rivendell is a valley. And in my brain, I, I was just like, oh, Rivendell is like a, a city. And he says it's a it's a valley. And that just like never occurred to me that like it would be like a geographical area. <laughs> I don't know. And then we get in case you were miss in case we were all missing it from reading Lord of the Rings. We get a good solid paragraph of landscape description. That is one of my favorite things about reading The Hobbit, though, is that you don't have like reams and reams and reams of this like just florid landscape imagery. Although it is very pretty, though, the the way he it describes is. it. I as appreciate always. that we got to we got to like see what 
what to expect of Rivendell. Mm. And you got a, you got a picture in your book as well, so. Yeah, I didn't have to worry about. Re- I didn't need to read the words. <laughs> you could have completely just... glazed over. <laughs> exactly, um, but it is. But yeah, like Tolkien, as always, though is it's very beautiful with his words. Uh, a wide land, a wide land, the color of heather and crumbling rock with patches and slashes of grass green and moss green showing where water might be. Very like vivid detailing um, of of their surroundings. Yeah. So this is where like I'm like, because obviously, you know, he wrote this before Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But it seems the way he, that he's like describing like, oh, yeah, the Misty Mountains and the Lonely Mountains. And we're coming out of I think they call it like the wilds maybe though and there's like the wilderland and the lonely mountain in the east it seems like this is very different geography from the geography of lord of the rings <laughs> yeah not that i ever understood it in lord of the rings though so i've been reading hobbit for this on kindle as opposed to my paperback copy because that's back at my parents place and you know pandemic i can't just go pick it up or anything yeah um there's one of the things I hate most about having to do it on Kindle is because it's just really tricky to like flick back to the map and sort of reorient yourself a, a little bit. Um, I'm trying to see if my this is so cute. My copy of The Hobbit has um chapter one of the Fellowship at the end of it for like a little <laughs> so nice sneak preview, sneak and I just yeah. think that's really funny because it's like I don't think anyone who has picked up The Hobbit will ever be like, hmm, let me see if I can be tempted enough to read the next part. Because, like, I, I feel like yeah. if you're reading The Hobbit, you're probably already a fan of Lord of the Rings or you've seen the movie at least by yeah. now, you know? or you're not going to be like, oh, that was a nice book. I wonder if he's done anything else. <laughs> I wonder what else he's done. Oh, look, a, <laughs> a chapter preview. Um, okay, yes, there is, there is a map. All right. Okay, the Misty Mountains. All right. I suppose this is making sense to me, is it? What's this? Well, don't want to spoil anything. Um, <laughs> although I guess I know that Bill, uh, right before my map is an illustration of Bilbo in his house, but I guess I know that, yes, he does in fact return home. So, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise. Not that Lord of the Rings spoiled anything, yeah. do they? <laughs> anyway. I was just I was just listening to your um, second breakfast Q&A that you did before diving into the hobbit wow look at you being like speedy and on top of it listeners that literally just came out like today that's (laughs) that's amazing wow anyway uh it was just where someone had asked you like are you expecting anyone to die in the hobbit and you were like um i hope not well no because bilbo comes back at least (laughs) yeah like i I am suspicious now. Like who who's who's gonna die? It's it's like um there this is a trope a lot um in TV shows where like they'll show a funeral that's like mm. happening in the future, but you don't know whose funeral it is. And then when they are like flashing back to show the events leading up to it, you're just like super suspicious of like every you're like, oh well maybe that person dies because they coughed in that scene. <laughs> or, and then you're like, no, it was definitely her because she she was drinking and she's about to get into her car and she's gonna get in a car car. No, it wasn't her. <laughs> okay, then who and they do all this like fake so now I'm just like, okay, who's gonna die? It's not like, you know, you've got Gandalf there saying if anyone ever gets back at all. Yeah, it's like, oh my God. <laughs> and then I know I know Balin at least lives long enough to make it to Moria, poor Balin, <laughs> where he does die eventually. Spoilers. I know Gloin lives long enough. I guess I wonder if Gimli's born yet. 
at this point. I don't, I don't think I'm good enough on like my dwarf ages to know if he would have been. And I also like don't, okay, let's see, let's see. Because like obviously Bilbo, they say in this one he's in his 50s and you know it's his 111th Wow, that's a word I can't say. 111st. That's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm trying to say. It's that birthday in Fellowship. Okay, he was <clears throat> he was born in, uh, it says T-A, so is that third age? 2879. He was, see, the problem, though, is that, I don't know, because it says his age is two, 262. But I don't know if that was, like, at the end when he and Legolas go sneaking off into the Undying Lands. <laughs> or yeah. if that was, like, his age in Lord of the Rings. Let's see. Let's see. So uh, when the Fellowship of the Rings set out from Rivendell, apparently Gimli was 139 years old. I figured by that logic he must have been at least born. Oh, wait. Okay. Here it says... Um, it is stated in the Unfinished Tales that Gimli was prevented with traveling from his father on the quest of Erebor. Is that uh, what this quest is? I don't know. Because Thorin yeah. and his company thought him too young. Though Gimli, being in his 60s, considered himself ripe for adventure and was disappointed to be left behind. Aw, Gimli. Aww. Anyway, okay, yeah. So Gimli's born at this point. Okay, because I know, I know that they reference Gimli in the Hobbit movie at this point, but I, th- I thought, I don't know if that's just like one of those... Easter egg bits, and yeah. I read The Hobbit so long ago, and I didn't want to read on in case I accidentally spoiled anything for thank you, I like other episodes. That. Then, yeah, I guess we'll have to. Uh, yeah, so Gim, yeah, Gimli's Gimli was bored. How do we even get here? People dying. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see. There are the the problem though is that like there's I, I know the names of like maybe four of these dwarves, and so I feel like the num. Like there's a good there's a good chance that one of these dwarves that I can't even remember the name of will die because there's just too many for them to all make it to the end. I don't know. We'll have to see. Anyway, they are not in any danger right now, though. Thankfully, no one's in not danger yet. of dying yet um, because they make it to Rivendell. And I forgot how much I loved the book elves because I've just been in like movie elf world where like they're all so serious and I was, I was gonna say this ominous so serious they're so much fun I totally forgot about that <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of that like sort of mischievous energy yes like, yeah right from the off they're just laughing from the trees and start singing a song and kind of taking the mickey out of them a little bit yeah yeah and um Bilbo says it smells like elves <laughs> what? What does that mean? What? <laughs> um. Anyway, the, hmm, beforehand as well. It's like, do they do they smell bad? Do they have a smell? Because it says um. Because he was talking about. Let's see. Because before then they were talking about. Let's see. The trees changed to beech and oak, and there was a comfortable feeling in the twilight. Then that's talking about the grass and a stream. I love that paragraph so much though, because it's just like Bilbo start to get comfortable again, and he just like keeps falling asleep on his pony. Yeah, his little pony. Because it's getting, yeah, they're getting, um, it's like warmer and they're like, yeah, out of danger and everything. Anyway, apparently the elves have a smell and Bilbo, whatever. Anywho, um, and then the elves start singing, oh, what are you doing and where are you going? Your ponies need shoeing, the river is flowing. Oh, tra-la-la-la-lolly, here down in the valley. That doesn't rhyme. Maybe, oh, oh, tra-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la
And so they just sing this like very silly song. And they mention at one point um, Mr. Baggins and Balin and Dwalin. Um, so they know the names of at least some of these people. Yeah. Um, and they, yeah, they just sing this this funny little tune. And it's just so different from how they are in the in the movie. And it just makes me laugh so much. I know. Like, you try to reconcile that to just, like, the image of Elrond from the movie. Oh, my gosh. And it's ridiculous just like worlds apart (laughs) i know yeah yeah and like i can't imagine orlando bloom legolas doing any of this because he's just standing standing off to the side like with one eyebrow raised looking at everyone else like like patrick dempsey and enchanted (laughs) yes yeah (laughs) what is happening right now he's the one yeah because like that could work that could work because legolas isn't from rivendell so he could be like these rivendell elves (laughs) <laughs> what's up with them um yeah anyway so so they enter they enter rivendell and they're looking around at all of the elves who are like emerging from the woods and singing these little songs um and then it says he loved elves though he seldom met them but he was a little frightened of them too and i'm like you know what i think i'm the same way we're like i yeah. also love i i both love and fear the elves a little bit <laughs> yeah you'd admire them from afar but you would not want to mess with them mm-hmm. and they're all like oh look it's Bilbo the Hobbit on a pony and he's like how do these people know about me yeah (laughs) they welcome them and they're like you can keep going um you can keep uh on your way and going towards Elrond's house it's like at the very end of the valley or you can stay here and have food and rest and whatever um but they're all pretty eager to get to Elrond's house um even though they all wish they could like Bilbo for a second is like, oh, I do kind of want to like stay here and, and hang out with them and sing songs. But at the same time, and find it, out how they know me. Yeah. Like, how do they know all of this stuff about me when I've never met them in my life? <laughs> but the dwarves were all for supper. Mm-hmm. Yes. But yeah, they were all they they all wanted to go eat. And so they're like, no, we'll keep going. So they arrive at Elrond's house. And this is where like I once again just I'm confronted by like the stark difference between the Hobbit Tolkien and Lord of the Rings Tolkien. This was a bit that got me as well. <laughs> and it just makes me laugh so much. Okay, so it says, now it is a strange thing, but things that are good to know, or oh my God, let me start this over here. <laughs> now it is a strange thing, but things that are good to have and days that are good to spend are soon told about and not much to listen to. While things that are uncomfortable and uncomfortable pal hmm, i can't read this word palpitating, palpitating and even gruesome may make a good tale and take a deal of telling anyway so like that's the first part that it's like that's like the exact reason why lord of the rings is so long <laughs> it's because it's all gruesome and terrible yeah so he's like i'm gonna describe every last detail Um, And then it says, they stayed long in that good house, 14 days at least, and they found it hard to leave. So in the span of one sentence, two weeks have passed, and we don't see any of it. It's the end of that paragraph where it says, yet there is little to tell about their stay. And if I was good at blowing raspberries, this is the moment I would do that, but it was just like, as if, as (laughs) if there was little to tell about their stay. I want to hear it. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I want to hear it. They spent two weeks with elves and Elrond and there's dwarves and the whole travel vlog. Yeah. Like, I want to hear about all of it. Um, And it kind of makes me laugh, too, because it seems like Tolkien decided to break this rule in Fellowship when he has those chapters with Tom Bombadil. 
Yeah. Where all their do were like, yeah, Tom Bombadil is kind of a weirdo. And like, that is interesting to see. But for the most part, they're not doing anything. They're yeah, just nothing, like hanging around. <laughs> yeah. And so Tolkien decided to like, I guess he, he decided to like indulge us in that one little bit where he before he was like, no, this isn't interesting to talk about. And then he decided you know what, maybe this one time I'll do it with this crazy fellow named Tom Bombadil. <laughs> uh, like, I'm not saying that I really like character-driven moments in stories or anything, but when I slogged through Fellowship, Tom Bombadil was the chapter that I liked the most. It's so fun! Yeah. <laughs> like, does it have anything to do with the plot? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Was it fun to read? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although I do kind of appreciate that we get told that the elves are singing all these songs all the time and we do not have to read any of these songs. That is mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that is true because Tolkien easily could have just been like, you know what, I'm going to write out all of the songs that they sang. Yeah, <laughs> unless he did and then his editor came back like, this is a kid's book. Mm-hmm. You can't. Yeah. At which point he said, okay, you're getting a trilogy after this. In yeah. Which I do all of these things. It's going to be full of songs. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I do, though, appreciate, however, that like he decides to move the story, to keep the story moving. Yeah. Um, because now that like I've, I've, you know, like I've been on the other side of it where like he does go into dense detail for every moment that that happens to them on their way to like do this thing um so like i do appreciate that like rather than having to read another chapter or two before something else starts happening or before they like pick up where they left off on their journey i do appreciate that like he's like nope not much happens so i'll just skip to when the next thing happens so yeah two full weeks pass in the span of one sentence um and then he starts uh describing elrond he is the master of the house and I started singing Master of the House yeah, from Lemus. That's exactly what just happened in my head as soon as you said those words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it says, the master of the house was an elf friend. And as soon as I read that, I was like, master of the house, keeper of the something. <laughs> I don't remember all the words. Anyway. And so he just starts, he starts describing Elrond. And he, he was as noble and as fair in face as an elf lord, as strong as a warrior, as wise as a wizard, as, I never know how to pronounce this word venerable 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 sure no it's one of those words that you just you read and you never never have to say it out loud until Until you do (laughs) as venerable as a king of dwarves and as kind as summer i love that last phrase as kind as summer yeah that's literally the bit i was about to pick out was kind of summer because Mm -hmm. it's just it like as soon as you get to rivendell you just get that kind of warm cozy vibe it's like put Bilbo straight away at ease, that so much so that he's falling asleep on his pony. And then Elrond is kind of summer and you just get those same kind of warm, cozy vibes from it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Although I will say the summers that I experience, um, I'm not even in, in like the deep south in the US where like <laughs> it gets super hot. But like my summers get extremely hot and uncomfortable and you're like, I just want to die. <laughs> so like as kind as summer isn't it's uh, maybe for like me, I'll amend that statement to be like as kind as the thought of summer on a like dark, dreary winter day. 
When you're Alex. like, it's 30 degrees out, my car is covered in ice, I just broke my ice scraper, and I want <laughs> nothing more for it to be 90 degrees and blazing hot. And then when it is 90 degrees and blazing hot, you're like, I want nothing more for it to be 30 degrees and my car to be covered in ice. <laughs> so 30 degrees for me is like, because we use Celsius, obviously, don't we? Right. That is, that is blazing hot. And I was thinking, gee, like... Yeah, let me... Yeah, I guess I mean zero no, degrees. thank you. That is not a kind summer for me. <laughs> yeah, I guess I mean... Yeah, let's see. Okay, hang on. Celsius. I'm typing all of this with one hand. I just sneeze. Hey. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. My allergies are acting up. It's very fun. Yeah, so like 30 degrees Fahrenheit is... um. Probably, yeah, negative one Celsius. Yeah, and that then right. 90 degrees Fahrenheit is 32 Celsius. Yeah, so anyway. Like, like that's, yeah, that is just too hot, those kind of days. Yeah, Those are not like, the kind days of summer that we're picturing. But not the kind one. days of summer. <laughs> um, although I am dreaming of when it will be nice and warm enough so I can go and hang my hammock, hammock up um, by the, the trees in my front yard and I can hang out, literally huh, hang out, um, <laughs> and, and read. And that'll just be nice and wonderful. Oh, man. Anyway, so yeah, Elrond is kind of summer. And it's just such a funny description to read again since I'm like so fresh off the movies because (laughs) Hugo Weaving is like the exact... I wouldn't describe him as any of those things. (laughs) (laughs) Especially like the way, like not just like the way he looks, but just like the way he portrays Elrond and the way they wrote Elrond. I wouldn't describe him as any of those things. Maybe... Maybe maybe like noble and wise. Yeah. Um, and we do see him in that battle at, like, the beginning of the movie. So maybe he is as strong as a warrior. But, like, I don't think he's kind. He doesn't strike me as, like, the kind of brute force strength, though. So much as that kind of quiet, controlled, mm-hmm. sort of practiced strength. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least in the movies, you know. But yeah, it just made, yeah. And, like, again with the elves, it does, it does just, it, it makes me wish that, like, they had gotten the the dynamic more correct for the movies of the elves. And especially, I talked about this a lot, about how they totally, like, messed up the, um, the, like, characterization of Gimli and Legolas in the movies, where, like, they kind of switched them. And yeah. Legolas, from the book, like, easily could have become the comedic relief in the movie. Um, because dwarves are, even though, like, they're fun here, they're still they're, very, they're, like... They're pretty serious. Yeah. They totally messed that up, and I'm thinking in particular there's one scene in the extended edition of Return of the King where they have a drinking contest, and <laughs> it just didn't... I was, like, really uncomfortable with it, and I didn't like it, and I think it would have been way funnier if they had switched it to where, like, Gimli was, like, super serious about it, and then Legolas just, like, pretends he has no idea what alcohol is, and then, like, yeah. after he's, like, downed a bunch of beers, he's like, oh, no, I know exactly what this is, and I just beat you so and i will drink you all under the table (laughs) anyway okay yeah so then they're they're in the house of elrond and he uh is is like really kind to them they are able to like be refreshed and they it says um their clothes were mended as well as their bruises their tempers and their hopes and they're given more provisions that were light to carry but strong to bring them over the mountain passes so i'm wondering hmm was this lame bus bread (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's what i thought but that that line about their clothes were mended as well as their bruises their tempers and their hopes i just love that so much mm. it just 
I don't know what it was about that line. It just really got to me. And I thought, I want that on a tote bag. I want it like on the walls everywhere. It just feels really nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it's because like we're all in a place right now where like we're all bruised. All of our tempers are like... At, a little bit worse for wear. <laughs> we're, yeah, we we have like very low hopes. So I think we all right now wish that like we could be in this situation where like our bruises and yeah. our tempers and our hopes are all mended. Uh, one day, everyone be patient. We can do it. Just stay home another couple months. <laughs> yeah, no quests to Rivendell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then they, they like spend um, kind of the later part of the summer there and then they start getting ready to leave the next morning to continue their quest. Elrond um, pulls out, uh, he, he, he shows Gandalf and Thorin their swords were not troll made. They are, let's see. Um, Very old swords of the High Elves of the West. Mm-hmm. The, like, markings on it have names. And so Thorin's sword is named or- Orchrist. Yeah. Cool. That's how I read it. Awesome. Um, a goblin, let's see, the goblin, oh my god. <laughs> Orchrist, the goblin cleaver in the ancient tongue of Gondolin. Um, it was a famous blade. And then Gandalf's sword is Glamdring faux hammer that the king of Gondolin once wore. And I kind of wish because we know from the we know from Lord of the Rings that Bilbo's sword is named Sting. And I kind yeah. of thought this is going to lead to Bilbo being like, "Oh, and what's my sword's name?" And then and then Elrond like wouldn't have the heart to tell him that like, "Oh, it doesn't have a name <laughs> because this is yeah. like literally a butter knife <laughs> for them." Oh. And so I was I thought that like he was just going to make up a name and tell Bilbo that's what his sword was named just to like make Bilbo happy. That um, would have made it so much cuter. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Or I thought um I don't know, maybe we'll see like in a later chapter that Bilbo's like, "Well, if your sword has a name, so does mine. It's Sting." Yeah. Um <laughs> But yeah, I thought it would be really, uh, like, I thought it was going to lead to that of Bilbo being like, what's my sword? And then Elrond has to just make something up because <laughs> he doesn't want to hurt Bilbo's feelings. <laughs> I wasn't even aware that Bilbo was kind of there at this exact point, like for this conversation, until he pipes up a little bit later. But yeah, yeah. Like, obviously he's there because that's how we the reader are there with Bilbo. Oh, that is true. Yeah. That is true, because he, because technically he wrote this book. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Elrond tell, says that like, oh, these swords are very important. They were fought in this war between um, uh, goblins and elves or dwarves. I don't remember. It was fought against goblins. At some yeah. point. That's, that's a safe bet. <laughs> um, and this reminded me, isn't there like this whole beef between elves and dwarves? Yes, there's like this one throwaway line when they arrive at Rivendell where it says something like, um, I wrote it down. Dwarves do not get on well with them, them being elves. Oh, I totally missed but that. But it's like, oh, where is it? I believe you that it's in here. <laughs> I don't, so I, I don't like, think you would have made it up. Just after the song. It's like halfway through the paragraph. Bilbo loved elves, uh, but he was a little bit frightened of them. Dwarves don't get on well with them. Even decent enough dwarves like Thorin and his friends think them foolish, which is a very foolish thing to think, or get annoyed with them. For some elves tease them and laugh at them, and most of all at their beards. Huh. That's, I mean, I guess like Tolkien hadn't yet come up with this idea of like this age-long 
like feud, feud between yeah. dwarves and elves because it's a to- it's it's way in the lord in the lord of the rings it's way more than just like oh the elves sometimes tease the dwarves and the dwarves yeah. think that the elves are silly it's way more than that and um i don't remember the exact um history behind it but it has something to do with like a dwarf stole back something from an elf king but the thing that they took like had been made by dwarves and then the elves got mad and so they killed someone and then something along the lines of that yeah like i have a really precise knowledge of like the history of westeros like from the targaryen (laughs) conquest onwards but when it comes to elves and dwarves that's about my level of understanding of this as well (laughs) yeah so so i don't know i just think it's It's just very interesting for me because I always had this perspective of Tolkien as being like he has everything mapped out to a T um, and he has every little detail planned. But like when you're reading The Hobbit, which he wrote years before Lord of the Rings and like technically Lord of the Rings was really only an afterthought (laughs) when they were like, hey, you got any more stories in you? And he's like, I'm glad you asked. Um, (laughs) And so like it's just funny to see these like discrepancies between the hobbit which is you know a children's book so obviously he's not going to get into like well like you see three pages worth of thousands of history. years ago yeah <laughs> this thing happened between elves and dwarves um and so he condensed it down to you know elves or dwarves think elves are silly and the elves tease dwarves and for their beards <laughs> yeah and their beards um so yeah, I guess I don't know. I'll maybe I'll try and do some some digging into that and figure out like where did he decide to like come up with this all this like drama and this feuding between the dwarves and the elves because <laughs> they seem very happy like the dwarves they wouldn't have stayed for 2 weeks with Elrond, you know, if yeah. they weren't happy to be there. That was like my main gripe about this chapter was that I was kind of disappointed with how easily they all get along when you know, it's a totally different story in Lord of the it Rings. It says yeah. they don't really like the elves, but <laughs> oh my god, bless you. Uh, I need to start taking my allergy pills. Um, I started freaking out the other day because I was like, "Oh my god, I'm sneezing, <sighs> coronavirus!" <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh no, it's because I walked outside and it's starting to get warmer here, and yeah. that means that there's pollen, pollen allergies." And yeah. So. <laughs> um. Anywho, yeah, so Elrond starts um, to look at the map that they have of the mountain, and he says that, oh, there's some, like, moon writings in here. What's the word? Moon letters. Yeah. It's a, okay, this is something that, like, I can't remember if I did read, I can't remember if this actually was a detail that was in an earlier chapter, or if Tolkien just threw it in now and pretended like it's always been there. So, uh, Bilbo asks, what are moon letters? And then it says, he loved maps, as I have told you before, and he also (laughs) liked runes and letters and cunning handwriting, Though when he wrote himself, it was a bit thin and spidery. So I was like, this is the first I'm hearing that he loves maps and runes and letters and cunning handwriting. (laughs) (laughs) There's like a bit in the first chapter where I think it's like Thorin gets the map out to show everyone um, after, you know, they've raided Bilbo's pantry. Um, And um, Bilbo's like, oh, a map. Because there's like maps hang on all his walls and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, but okay. I think this is the first we get about him liking runes and letters and okay. cunning handwriting. Um, and that's definitely also like the the took in him coming out because yeah. it ta- the first chapter especially talks all the time about like his tookish, tookish side, side was winning, <laughs> and so like that's definitely a tookish trait of liking runes and letters and cunning handwriting. Yeah, but I also think it's just really cute that like in this part of the scene, Bilbo doesn't say anything when they're talking about the swords, but as soon as they start talking about like the map and these secret letters, he's like, "Oh, cool." Um, like, tell me everything. Yeah, yeah. Because swords are probably totally out of his wheelhouse, you know? Yeah. But letters but he just and, and has, like this, like, this nerdy moment of, ooh, this is my thing. Tell mm-hmm. me more. Yeah. And so moon letters, when they're, they, when they're written, you have to, you, they can only be revealed at the exact, like, moon phase and time of year that they were originally written. And so yeah. these letters were written... During a crescent moon in midsummer, which is like very convenient for our for our heroes here, because convenient it also is exactly the word I use. Yeah, it has to be. Um, they are in midsummer during a crescent moon, so they are able to read what it says. <laughs> like it feels like that could have been a whole side quest if this if this was more like you know Lord of the Rings, where you know then they have to make sure they can read the rune letter the the moon letters before they can continue on their quest. And that's going to detour us for like 12 chapters. But it's a kid's book, so we'll kind of give them a pass on the the plot convenience of this one. Yeah, exactly. And it says, Stand by the grey stone when the thrush knocks. In the setting sun with the last light of Durin's day will shine upon the keyhole. I had to read that like three times to be like, reading this correctly. (laughs) Kind of makes nonsense to me. Um... Uh, I guess we'll see more about that phrase later on, I'm assuming. (laughs) Of all the things they don't mention during their time with the elves, this one is worth mentioning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, Thorin says that Durin was the father of the fathers of the eldest race of dwarves, the Longbeards, and my first ancestor, I am his heir. And Elrond asks what Durin's day is, and he said... Thorin says it is the first day of the last... This was another thing that, like, I had to read three times to be like, wait, what? Yeah. (laughs) It is the first day of the last moon of autumn on the threshold of winter. But I'm so confused because then he says, but this will not help us much, I fear, for it passes our skill in these days to guess when such a time will come again. And I'm like, what do you... Like, you just said that it's the last day of the first moon of autumn right before winter. Like, can you not? Yeah. So I had to, like, reconcile this to my knowledge of the Hobbit movies to try and, like, puzzle out this sentence. And I can only assume that it it's the, it was the last moon of, when the last moon of autumn and the sun are both in the sky together is Durin's day. Oh, okay. So, so it's, it's like a like rare really occurrence. exact moment. That they're never quite sure when is this going to be. Yes, right, because he does say, We still call it Durin's Day when the last moon of autumn and the sun are in the sky together. Okay, got it. Yeah, so they're not sure when that's going to happen. So so they're just kind of like, eh, these moon letters. I'm glad we found out that, you know, it says this, but there's nothing else we can do about it. So, oh yeah. well. <laughs> Tally-ho, onward. That remains to be seen, as Gandalf says. Mm. <laughs> And then, yeah, Gandalf asks if there's any more writing. They can't tell because 
you know, they, they can only see what was written under like this certain phase of the moon. So like it could be that maybe later on in their journey, they discover that there's more yeah. writing. Who knows? And then the next morning, again, beautiful description. The next morning was a midsummer's morning as fair and fresh as could be dreamed. Blue sky and never a cloud and the sun dancing on the water. And so with that, they go onward um, and leave Rivendell and go towards the Misty Mountains. Oh, and it just mountains again. It blows my mind that like, I mean, granted, there was a lot that needed to happen in Rivendell for the plot in Fellowship. But like it blows my mind that like we spent a good like 60 pages in Rivendell in (laughs) Fellowship of the Ring. (laughs) And then here it's like four pages. (laughs) Yeah. And and half of that is to say they arrived. They spent time there. Yeah. But I'm not going to tell you about that time. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, so that is, like, the shortest chapter ever. <laughs> a short rest. Um, Beth, is there anything that we missed that you wanted to, like, bring up or, or talk about? So there was, there's, like, one moment with Thorin when they're talking about the swords where he says, I will keep this sword in honor. May it soon cleave goblins once again. And Elrond says, I wish that is likely to be granted soon enough in the mountains. But now let's talk about the map. Totally, kind of, yeah, totally missed yeah. that. Like, what a throwaway. Like, yeah, there's probably going to be goblins. Don't worry about it. Anyway, this map. Yeah, not that there's, like, any amount of foreshadowing with, like, hmm, but we'll see if anyone makes it back. Hmm, well, let's see if anyone cleaves goblins with this with this cool sword. Yeah. I mean, I guess I have to remember that, like, you know, this is a children's book and children aren't usually, they're not going to, like, pick up on subtle foreshadowing yeah. so so Which i guess like, cool yeah that, that sword killed some goblins once let's look at the map yeah <laughs> all right cool this is so funny because i think this episode is going to be like the shortest episode i've ever put out um, which is just so funny to me because I'm coming off of the movies where I started, I I had to make them and usually my episodes are an hour long and I had to make my movie episodes an hour and a half because it was just, <laughs> and even still, that was me cutting out a bunch of stuff. So like- It was all great content, MC. I'm com- thank you. Thank you. So like, it's just so <laughs> funny to like be coming off of like the most content heavy stuff I've ever done. And then this is a chapter where like they show up to Rivendell, they see stay there for two weeks they read a map they look at some swords and then they leave yep (laughs) that's it (laughs) but it's still very enjoyable and it was very enjoyable to have you on beth um so where can people find you on the internet and do you have anything you would like to plug uh yeah well thanks for having me again it's been a lot of fun um people can find me on instagram at author beth recalls i'm on youtube at beth recalls twitter at recalls i have a book coming out this summer called the Kissing Booth 3. I don't know if anyone will have heard of that or be expecting it. But uh, that's available for pre-order if anyone is interested in things that don't involve orcs and trolls and goblin cleaving swords. And I do movie reviews on my Instagram if anyone is really keen to know about like my thoughts on the How to Train Your Dragon soundtrack oh. as it was as it's been lately. <laughs> Just so, yeah, just so, let's see. It's you just did me this, geeking like, out about stuff. You did those like what yesterday or or day before or something? How to Train Your yeah. Dragon, and I was just like, what? Like what good movies? Those are such good movies. I'm I'm gonna watch the second one now after we finish this podcast. Oh man, when I've been like 
looking forward to this afternoon whole, the whole day because I thought, yeah, I get to talk to MC about The Hobbit and then I get to watch How to Train Your Dragon 2. It's going to be so much like fun. Sounds like a perfect day to me, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember I watched How to Train Your Dragon I never saw any of the How to Train Your Dragon movies in theaters. No, me either. I think I was, because I definitely, like, wasn't the target demographic for those. Um, So, like, I wasn't going to go see an animated film when I was, like, in high school or or college. Not that, like, you can't do that, um, because I did go see Incredibles (laughs) 2 in the theaters when I was in college. So, you know, whatever. Anyway, and I remember watching How to Train Your Dragon 3 whenever it like it was it either like came to Netflix or Hulu or something and I yeah. was like, "Oh, let me put this on." And then like it ended and I was just sitting in my living room like <laughs> sobbing heavily. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good movies, good movies. That's what I'm talking about as a proud member of WBNE. You can learn more about the network by going to wbne.org where you will find all of our shows like one of our newest ones, Unsobered. Hi, I'm Julia, the host of Unsobered, Badass Women of History and Literature, the podcast where I talk about the women that the history books, history classes, and the general public often overlook, or who just get a brief mention, but we never really know the whole story of their impact on the world we live in. On Unsobered, I share the stories and histories of these badass, amazing, and strong women. And while I tell you the history we don't get from traditional history classes, I get more and more drunk over the course of the episode. So join me to learn more about your favorite women or to find a new favorite woman that you didn't even know contributed to one of your favorite things with new episodes every other Friday. The cover art is by Graphite, a.k.a. Vaishan Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can get merch for That's What I'm Talking About by going to tpublic.com slash user slash pod or following the link in the episode description. I believe as you are listening, there's a sale going on. So if you're interested in getting t-shirts or stickers of some kind, go check that out. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod. You can find me on Twitter at mcwhatsup and Instagram at mcturndown for what. You can support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash pod, where you will find different tiers and perks. You can join the WBNE Discord server for $3 a month. Um, in fact, on Discord for Tolkien About patrons, we will be doing a hangout of some kind this week. I don't know what we'll do during that hangout, but we're hanging out. Um, Or you can become a sponsor of the podcast like Danny. Danny, thank you so much for all of your continued support of the podcast. I appreciate it so much. And Danny's long-term support of the podcast actually reminded me of this. If you become a patron of That's What I'm Talking About, you will get a postcard when you join, and you will also get another postcard for every six months that you remain a patron. And so patrons who have been supporting me for a while, you will be expecting another postcard in the mail as soon as I can remember to write them. (laughs) Fingers crossed that happens soon. Anyway, and as always, if you like what you're listening to, please rate and review. Um, Well, Beth, that will bring us to the end of the episode. Thank you again so much for coming on. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Just one from the elves' song in this chapter, To Fly Would Be Folly. Ooh, and that's what I'm talking about. Ooh.